the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to the Career Confidant and welcome to 2022. Who thought we'd be where we are? Well, we're here and we are going to be talking about the future of work today. It is our favorite time of year when we get to release our white paper, Career Industry Trends white paper that we release every year. I did a LinkedIn Live release of this last week, and then we'll be doing our kind of paper-based release of that tomorrow. So if you're listening to this later, it's already there, and you can go and find it at careerthoughtleaders.com backslash white paper, careerthoughtleaders.com backslash white paper. So this is where we get together, individuals across the globe every year, to talk about what's going on in the world and how is that going to impact careers. So job search, career advancement, career exploration, the career development of young people. We typically have a large industry uh, participation from people at universities. And we do have people from all over the globe. So Australia, Nigeria, Cameroon, South Africa were represented this year in addition to the US, the UK, and Canada which is uh, kind of our, our normal crew, but we always have some folks participating from all over the globe, which is fun. So what's coming up next and, and what do you need to know to move forward in your career? And this has been the premise of our show for eight years now. Hard to believe that now we, we are celebrating our eighth anniversary here on The Career Confidant. So if you've been listening, please you know drop us a review, tell us what you enjoy, send me an email and let me know what you'd like to hear more of. Marie at careerthoughtleaders.com. But this has been our premise for the day-to-day years, that it's, it's critical for all of us to understand what's going on in our industry, what's coming next, what do we need to, to know to move forward for the next thing, because there is always going to be a next thing. And that next thing keeps coming faster and faster and unpredictable. I mean, who could have guessed that COVID would have changed things the way it did, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. But if we aren't staying on top of these trends, both globally and specifically in our industry, we're going to have more opportunity to get caught in bad situations. Now, this doesn't mean that if we're paying attention, bad things won't happen, but it does mean that we will be more likely to move quickly, land faster, and and maybe have some opportunity to land where we want to land because we've been thinking ahead, looking ahead, and seeing what's going to shift. Um, And of course, we can't predict everything, but if we've been paying attention, even when the unpredictable, unexpected happens, we can make those shifts faster. So what are the trends that we're going to be talking about today? These were the five industry trends, the the global megatrends and how they impact careers that we came up with. And we actually started with four, but then in the conversations that evolved, it really came out to to these five. 
And these are voted on by our attendees from each year's event and our board of directors each year. So there, we create this platform in a collaborative way and then it's a collaboration of people who attend this event give their input and provide their insights and you'll see their quotes throughout this white paper and just some great information here and some industry leaders that you'll want to check out if you're looking for speakers or people to do you know guest blogs writing as well as of course if you're looking for career services individually or for your organization so first one Jobs of the future. This has been one for the last few years, but the way that it it comes about and the things that are impacting it continue to change. We'll talk about that. Diversity, equity, and inclusion in hiring. We've been talking about this off and on since 2018, just seeing the writing on the wall that for organizations to fill their roles, right, to be able to have the people they need to get things done, they will have to be broader in how they look at diversity and equity and inclusion. We're seeing that happen today. We're seeing that happen in a lot of different ways. Um, And diversity in and of itself has become more diverse and the way we talk about it has become more diverse. So we'll talk about that and what that means for your career. And then also technology in hiring and job search. And this is exciting, especially for job seekers, because we're starting to see some technologies evolve specifically to help streamline and scale job search. And our excellent presenter on that topic, Adrian Tan, also talked about how job seekers can use marketing and and sales tools to scale their job search. We'll look a little bit at that. And then the great reevaluation. So it's out there as the great resignation, uh, lots of other names. We called it the great reevaluation because it really goes beyond people resigning from their jobs. And it's the, uh, the way that people are thinking about work, they're reevaluating. And within this topic, we also talked about women and women being a big part of this great resignation, great reevaluation, because of the pull between work life and family life that has happened during COVID. With remote work doesn't solve the childcare problem for most women. And so they are leaving the workforce or considering leaving the workforce in record numbers. Our last one was the evolution of leadership, also connected to diversity, equity, and inclusion, but the the discussion here really evolved more to talk about how leaders and the expectations on leaders and leadership is shifting and organizations being expected to evolve, not just in this wake of the, the you know, overdue push towards diversity, but also towards the move to remote work and what that means for leaders having to lead differently when they've got remote teams. Many of them have been doing this before, but many of them are are new. And even if they've been doing it before, the way in which people are working remotely, and obviously the reason that they're working remotely is new and poses some new challenges. So those are the top five trends that we talked about in our white paper. And we're going to go through each one. We're going to talk a little bit about what it means for your career, what you need to know to stay out of the curve, and how you can bring this information in to really help you in your job search. So one of the first questions that people often ask is, you know, where is everyone going? What new types of jobs are people doing if they're leaving the traditional workforce? 
And we talked about that in a couple of different areas in the paper, but the first one is really this jobs of the future. And when we look at jobs of the future lists, our, one of our presenters in this area, Larry Boyer, who is an analyst and a personal branding strategist, he talked about how these lists of jobs of the future, we really have to ask, you know, who's putting this list together? Because each of them have a different lens that they're approaching it from. One of the most comprehensive lists, it's like a 40-page document from the World Economic Forum, looked at the future of jobs. It actually came out in 2020, obviously still highly relevant in today's market, talks about what things people are shifting to and from. One of the most interesting kind of tidbits that Larry shared was this data around people who know someone that has quit their job due to making money in crypto. So this was just amazing that people who make less than $50,000, more than 60% of them know someone who has quit their job because they were making more money trading cryptocurrency. And I know we, you know, this data doesn't also incorporate NFTs and some of the other new things that people are doing. And it's a, it is an, non-traditional world out there, right? There are new things that many people haven't even heard of. Um, you know, universities, business schools are saying, why aren't we teaching NFTs? Like, we've got to keep up with the times. Things are shifting so quickly. And then, you know, cryptocurrency crashes, but still people are making enough money in, in these types of things to leave their jobs, especially if they were making less than 50000 A lot of other non-traditional or creative types of things that people are doing. Um, Part of a group of people who is helping other people launch memberships, right? We launched a a membership this year in Career Thought Leaders. And that is just full of people making a living, doing all kinds of interesting, artistic, very technical all the things that you can think of, people are making a living by providing information and community to other people. And this idea of community is kind of one of the big themes for marketing and and organizations this upcoming year. And people are making a living doing things that, you know, our parents or perhaps even some of us listening today never could imagine that this is how you could make a living today. It's shifted very quickly with COVID. It, COVID sped up that transition to online business and online commerce and people buying things online, people looking for community online, and that has really shifted the jobs of the future. However, jobs of the future also include the things that many people do today. And oftentimes when we think about jobs of the future, you get a lot of tech stuff, right? AI and analysts and big data and uh, the technology behind crypto, the, the blockchain. However, the whole list from the World Economic Forum, half of that list is people-based jobs. It's sales, it's customer service. I mean, you've heard a lot this year about customer experience, customer service. And these predictions were put together even in before COVID, but their half of the list is marketing, which has some kind of analyst pieces to it, but also 
the the people pieces of it, people and culture, how will you connect with people, HR, et cetera, product development, so that human side of, of strategy and what do people need, what are the products, how do we make sure that we're delivering those products, and then sales, lots of sales jobs in the jobs of the future from the World Economic Forum. And uh, if you're not a technical person, better get comfortable with the idea of being that interface between the technology and people or being that person that develops the community, maintains a community, because those are the people-based jobs of the future. And they're good. They're going to pay well. They're going to be very uh, flexible, most of them, when you look at what they are. But they, they do balance out some of the more techie jobs that you read. And then you're going to have accountants, managers, the jobs uh, of the future also will include the jobs of today. How we do those jobs is going to change, which is why it's so important that we stay on top of the trends and understand what's going on in our industry, because that job that you have will still be viable in the future, most likely, but how that job happens and how you communicate inside of of that industry, you'll need to shift and stay on top of things to be able to be effective in how you execute. And we are going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll go through our other four areas. Just a reminder, we're here from career thought leaders. And if you are in the career services industry or want to get into the career services industry, now is the time. People are looking to make a transition. And our career transition coach program can help you do that. We give you the tools that you need to do that. You can go out and get a bunch of certifications and and assessments that will help you do that, but we'll give you the tools to get started. No assessments required, no additional purchases required, just the tools that you need to walk someone through career decision-making, exploration, and beginning that transition. And you can find out about that at careerthoughtleaders.com, career transition coach. And we will be right back and we'll talk more about these trends for the future. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we're talking about the five megatrends impacting careers for 2022. And the first one that we were talking about was the jobs of the future and how that's going to shift and really the way that we look at those jobs of the future lists. How do we look at that and and think, okay, what does this mean? What's it telling me? And then just we always have a great group of career services providers out of the universities that attend this event. And they shared some really good ideas, well, some trends of what's going on in universities right now. Obviously, a shift in universities towards offering training that prepares people for the workforce. And there's a balance. Universities are still going to provide that underlying education, the training in how to think, how to problem solve. And universities are starting to realize that students need what my friend Cheryl found in a Forbes article, the triple threat, threat, right? Dr. Cheryl Minnick brought that to my attention. It's in a Forbes article talking about the triple threat, that yes, they need a degree, but they also need a certificate of some kind that matches them with that real world requirement and the experience. So universities are shifting. They're offering more short-term programs, obviously offering more online programs, more hybrid programs, and the micro-credentials that help people get the skills they need to apply to that job. Also partnering with people like our our colleagues at Parker Dewey, uh, great things going on at Parker Dewey in micro-internships so that people get the experience that they need in addition to getting the, the training or the education. Well, the other pieces that we're seeing in terms of education is kind of a pushback against tenure. So universities have struggled financially, some of them, some of them not, but some of them have struggled financially during this time and not being able to do anything with with faculty loads is a problem. And so will we see the changes in, in tenure structures. So part of our paper is what's happening now. And then part of our paper is also this prediction of, and we usually keep it in the positive of this. Is, these are the things that will change or, you know, it's kind of, we hope they'll change based on these challenges that we're seeing. And we're seeing more need for, it's really more agility in the university environment to adapt to industry needs offer these programs that are kind of like a finishing school, I guess you would say, but in a completely different way of now you've got the baseline degree. What do you need to go out there and match with industry requirements? Of course, there's been a lot of pushback from industry on education saying that you're not delivering people with the skills that we need, both hard and soft skills to succeed in in the workforce today. And because of that, because of the gap in technology that we're seeing right now and is predicted to continue until at least 2030, people are incorporating more training opportunities and funding for education training in the workplace. 
educational benefits are going up, both to attract talent and because there is a huge skills gap and that's predicted to grow, not just in digital skills, that's the main one people talk about, but in many other areas, people see that they have or will have a skills gap and they're putting funding into increased education, whether the company is doing it or whether they're providing that money to the individual to go and do that. So if you are employed, this is your time. Go and look at how your benefits have changed. Ask your manager, ask your HR department, you know, what are what is available to you in your education and development budget for the year? And then figure out strategically how are you going to use that to get the skills that you need to stay marketable tomorrow? What's going on in your industry? Where are things going? What skills are you going to need tomorrow? Because it's up to you to figure that out and to start developing those. But you're company may have some money that you can throw at it and and not have to do it all on your own. So diversity, equity, inclusion, as I said, this topic has been evolving and becoming more diverse in and of itself. The term neurodiverse has been around since uh, before 2000. However, it's really just started to work its way into workplace discussions more and more in the last couple of years where people are talking about neurodiversity in hiring. And this could mean people uh, you know, who have ADHD, ADD, are on the autism spectrum, whatever that looks like in those types of diagnoses, but also are mental health, like bipolar. So neurodiversity covers a wide range of, and it kind of described as different ways of thinking. And I love this, people recognizing the strengths of someone who may think differently. Um, You know, Temple Grandin, she's a professor at Colorado State University, my alma mater. So follow what she does. She wrote a book a couple of years ago about this different ways of thinking and how if, for instance, engineering teams had more diversity of thought, people that thought differently, maybe they brought the builders into the design conversations, things like, and you know, the flooding, um, the flooding plant in Japan wouldn't have happened because the person that builds the things would have said, you know, hey, that design's not a good idea. So this idea of when you have teams who are really diverse, not just in ethnicity, immigration status, uh, you know, sexual orientation, gender identity, but also in ways of thinking that you can make better decisions, make better solutions for your customers and, and for the world. This is the idea behind diversity. And um, as Murray Mann, one of our presenters in this area, talks about, there's a lot of pushback against diversity right now. But when we look at it at its core, this is really what's it, what it's about, that there is data demonstrating bottom line impact when there is diversity on teams. Because you think better, you may come up with better solutions. And Lynn Miner Rosen, one of our speakers, was an expert in this idea of neurodiversity and really talked about how this is coming into the workplace. Now, there's a lot of technology in the hiring process right now. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. And we know that that technology brings in bias. Why do we keep using it then? Because the human in the hiring process has more biases. And so people are trying to use technology as a way to mitigate that bias. 
Could we do blind reviews? Could we do scoring with a system instead of a person? They're, they're trying these systems and seeing what happens. And, and Murray collected some research around that that's in the white paper. What's going on? What are we doing to try to make sure those systems are as good as possible? But again, throwing the systems out is not the answer because humans are biased and and we're doing work on that front as well. How can we train people to not be biased uh, when they're hiring and get better teams, get the, the best candidate for the job, despite their weight, ethnicity, age, all of those biases that come in during the hiring process. And people are doing this in a lot of different ways, obviously with technology, but also by including more diverse hiring teams. It's hard to hire diverse candidates if you don't have a diverse team to start with. So we got a little chicken and egg there. But they are trying to put together teams of people who are diverse so that the, the hiring conversations can be more balanced. They're also changing the hiring requirements. So one of our, our data points was that 36% of employers are eliminating degree-based requirements for core competencies because degrees can perpetuate some of these biases. They're also removing things like recruiting from certain universities, which furthers a lack of diversity, and doing more global hiring and maybe even some more kind of micro-internships opportunities that allow for underserved populations or rural populations to get engaged in, in their workforce and increase that diversity of thought. There's an interesting conversation also going on in this area around disability, and disability historically had been left out of the diversity conversations for the most part, with the increased number of people experiencing disabilities or talking about their disabilities in relationship to COVID, we've seen more conversation around diversity of disabilities. So people with all different types of of abilities, including neurodiverse, but beyond that and and the psychological or, or physical disabilities, when they come into this conversation and they're included in this conversation, it brings in a whole new group of the workforce who has historically been passed over. When you look at the number of people on the autism spectrum who are unemployed, the number of people with uh, developmental disabilities who are unemployed, when employers start to address those biases and think about things differently, they open up a whole new talent pool of people, highly capable, who've been sitting around waiting for people to figure that out. So that's exciting, and the conversation around that is exciting. And this all comes down to the definition of diversity and the idea of inclusion really covering more groups of people and therefore being a more effective conversation. Um, And it's exciting to see that. People are thinking, how do you onboard employees onto a team that may not have experience working with someone like like that, right? And that whole idea brings up that bias in the first place, but it's an important thought to have because teams of, of people who've largely been non-exposed to diversity are going to want to have a place to have that conversation. And they're going to have questions 
and it may be awkward. So hiring teams are thinking about this. How do we onboard and create better culture of inclusion from the beginning now that we are talking about a, a true definition of diversity? And organizations like the AARP and disability rights organizations are furthering this conversation. They're helping employers out. And you're seeing big employers, especially tech employers on the neurodiverse side, uh, a fairly sizable group of individuals that are neurodiverse fall into the technical field, coding, developers, et cetera. And so you're seeing some of those organizations like Google and Apple and Microsoft take the lead on some of these discussions around neurodiversity, which is uh, excellent to see. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some of these other trends. If you are interested in coaching people who are neurodiverse to find work, we've got a program for that as well. You want to reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. That program is delivered through one of our partners, but we'd be happy to connect you with that program and so you could learn a little bit more about that and how you help those people who are neurodiverse Um, find employment and find things that will connect with their needs and their interests better. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about diversity in hiring. And one of the things that, well, I talked about how people with disabilities are often left out of this conversation. One of the uh, requirements that I've seen changing also leading to this conversation is a removal of the question about background check Uh, Sorry, removal of the question about felonies or involvement with the justice system. Now, you might not think about this as a population that gets discriminated against, 
um, oftentimes it's one of our kind of main underlying biases that these people deserve to be discriminated against because they made mistakes. The problem with that, of course, is that it just perpetuates that behavior if we don't have an opportunity for them to make new decisions to find employment. And oftentimes the reasons that they have been incarcerated are things that you or I would um, be blown away by and and perhaps fit into those same categories. I once had a gentleman in, in one of the groups that I was working with at a halfway house who had offered his employee discount to an, another individual, and because it was over $1,000, it was a TV or something or something at Home Depot, I can't remember. And because it was over $1,000, that was a felony. So now that person has a felony on their record. It's a financial-related felony, which makes it even more difficult to get hired. And you might say, well, you know, they made that decision. They deserve that discrimination. Uh, but it just, you know, it's one of those societal constructs that doesn't do us much good in the long run and how long do they have to hold on to that how long will it work against them so you've seen a lot of 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 things changing where people are no longer asked for that question or the question has shifted just to felony and not to misdemeanor and or people are just paying a little bit more attention to that and that's awesome because those people need a second chance and because we need them in the workforce both so that they can move on with their lives and so they can become productive members of society. Um, And so the other area that we're seeing this shift is in requirement for salary in job listing and not being able to ask about previous salary in a hiring process. This helps young people. It also helps people who are career transitioning and particularly it helps women close the salary gap. So it's not directly related to diversity hiring, but this shift in salary discussion is going to increase diversity in salary pools because you'll see people who have been kind of pushed down in the workforce because of their salary history now being able to make a transition, be in leadership roles, Um, despite maybe not fitting that stereotypical definition that a hiring manager was putting together based on that salary history that they were getting. So I love that more people are requiring salary to be listed in the job announcement and more people are saying that you can't ask about that because it does increase the ability for people to be mobile in the workforce and for people to have a more diverse pool of people that they're looking for for that job. Okay, so that moves us straight into this hiring technology and job search technology conversation. And the hiring technology is really evolving to try to increase the talent pool, both because talent, you know, applicant numbers uh, for certain roles may be down or qualified role people for the roles may be down, but definitely because we want that more diverse talent pool in every way that you can think of it. Rule or rural versus urban, age, gender, ethnicity, everything. So Marvin Smith from uh, Seek Out came and talked with us about this new technologies that companies are using to go out and find the best talent and go out and find the talent that has the experience that they're looking for. And uh, this does hinder our career changers a little bit. We'll talk about that in a second. But this technology is going out and it's scraping the web 
and specific databases like LinkedIn, but beyond that, for people who have the requirements someone's looking for. So if I'm looking for a developer that has a security clearance and three years of experience with Java, I can go out and use these technologies like Seekout, Findem, Jobvite has a a system that does this, um, HireTool. I can go and see which candidates who may not even be looking, they're not out there anywhere as a candidate, they don't have their open to work thing on in LinkedIn, I can still find them using these technologies. And a lot of these technologies are being democratized where they're being used by smaller companies. It's not just a big business thing um, because the need is there. And if I can create a technology that will do this automatically, which is the whole point, I can still get a, a smaller company engaged at a lower price point. This means for our job seekers, which we have been teaching for a while, we've been teaching our certified digital branding strategist class, which is really all about making sure you know what your digital footprint is saying. You know, it's it's out there saying something about you, whether you want it to or not. And if you're not managing it, if you are not thoughtful about what are you participating in that is creating a digital impression for you, then you're missing out on opportunities. This could be publications, presentations, even a video on the careers page of your current employer can show that you are in a role, can give you a voice, can give you, I mean, right, the transcription of that is something that these technologies pick up on. There's an opportunity for you to create a footprint towards the thing you want to be involved with. And this is true even if you're a career changer. So a lot of our our career services providers are a little frustrated at this point in time when we're talking about this because the whole point of the technology is to find people that have qualifications and in some ways make it more difficult for career changers. However, if our career changer is focused, they can start building a footprint in the direction they want to go. Blog about that. Comment on blogs about that. Put up videos around that. Get engaged in community discussions around that. And they may not have the specific requirements, but they still are going to have an opportunity to show up in those searches. And better yet, they'll have the opportunity to connect in discussions in global virtual opportunities for networking where they can meet these hiring managers and maybe they won't show up in the search results, but they'll show up in that person's group in the discussion and have that opportunity to connect, which is even more powerful. This topic also led us to talk about job search technologies and job search technologies lag because a job seeker pays for a little bit, maybe, and then they leave. So for someone to invest a lot in a job search technology is hard. And this year, because there is an increase in job searchers, both employed and unemployed, so people with money to invest in these types of technologies, you've started to see more of them come about. So we've seen a slew of Chrome extensions that Adrian talked about with us. And a lot of these work very similar where you can add jobs, add people, do research, research companies. And with that Chrome extension, you can 
organize, kind of categorize, catalog everything using these extensions. And is it's pretty cool, right? The other thing that we're seeing is that there were some job boards that had investments put into them last year. So like, whoa, right? Job boards. Um, but we are seeing some investment in those tools because, again, job seekers are, are looking and hiring managers are putting money towards anything available to try to get more applicants. A lot of these are more niche job boards and, you know, mom job boards, but even more general ones like job and talent are seeing some funding and, and some investment because the the consumer power is there both on the hiring manager side and the job seeker side. The last thing that Adrian talked about was the types of technologies that job seekers could use kind of borrowing from the marketing and sales world. So we talked a little bit about LinkedIn plugins. It's not the right term, LinkedIn automation tools. And I said, well, you know, let's talk about it, but let's also talk about how we want to be careful with that. Um, You know, LinkedIn automation tools can get you in trouble with your LinkedIn accounts. You want to do the research and understand what this tool is going to do. We also talked about how you use those tools being so important. If you're going to scale your messaging, we all know how annoying it is to get those sales messages on LinkedIn. That doesn't mean you can't automate your messages. It does mean that you want to be really thoughtful about how those messages are phrased and timed and that you're intervening with the human to have that conversation at a good point because that's going to build that relationship moving forward. We also talked about simple technologies uh, like Google spreadsheets and and those types of things that can help people track and engage in a way that our salespeople are. Of course, you could use a customer relationship management program if you want. There's a lot of ways that job seekers could use these technologies to manage their job search like a marketing campaign. Not a new concept, but there are new technologies and maybe just more Uh, appetite of job seekers using these technologies because they need to stand out. They need to be proactive in managing these conversations because now more than ever, job seekers are really worried about getting where they want to go, not just getting a job. And when you want to get where you want to go, it's going to require more strategic effort. And that's what this is really all about. Really exciting that just following this event in December, we launched our social media for job search strategist course, really diving into how can people use these technologies more proactively for their job search. And Hannah Morgan, um, job search Serpa, Sherpa, she and I have been talking about this for a while that people are overly focused on LinkedIn. And there are so many more opportunities to use technology, especially social media technologies and platforms to connect with a community, to build your visibility, and of course, to connect with hiring managers. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll go through our last trend, which is this evolution of leadership and really the demands that are being put on leaders now during COVID and and beyond to build culture and inclusive workplaces. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. You know 
that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking about the five megatrends impacting careers for 2022. And... Um, We're talking about the hybrid workplace, but also about women's careers during the great reevaluation. And I'm just like (laughs) floored that we haven't had an interruption from my three and five year old. I have to give my husband a little award today because, of course, with the holiday, they're home. And this has been a challenge for everyone, working men and working women. But the data shows highly focused on women figuring out what to do and exiting the workplace at amazingly alarming historic rates. And so they call it the great she session, which is fun. And thinking about what are employers going to do to get women back into the traditional workforce? How are they going to make accommodations? Because this is still going last week, my three-year-old was home four days it I don't there are women in my world that make this happen where they work remotely and they they have their kids at home with them I don't know how they do it I my three-year-old wants to play he wants me he wants my attention and this is this is a thing right and it's going to be a thing for at least the next six months we all hope that over the summer something can get figured out and next year we can have something different But women have left the workforce and there isn't any reason to return right now because next week your kid's going to be at home all all week because of COVID. How are employers going to adjust for this? They've got a record number of openings to fill, but they can't think the same way that they've been thinking. And so Latasha Williams was talking about this, the the women's side of it. Alp Segnois 
Segnesoy, <laughs> sorry, Alp, from Turkey. He runs a company called Expert Terra in the gig workforce, and he talked a lot about where people are going to when they're leaving their traditional workplace. An increase of 34%, so 34% annual growth in gig or part-time independent workforce just in one year. So from 2020 to 2021, independent workforce grew 34%. These are just fascinating things that are happening in our workforce. People have figured out how to pull pieces together and make it work, um, you know, how to work after the kids go to bed or when they wake up or the 10 minutes that they'll sit quietly with the leap pad, right? This is where we are right now. How will it shift? I don't know. But most of the data says that people want to continue a flexible work schedule. This means that most people do want to have some in-office opportunities moving forward, not completely remote. Most people want that flexible and hybrid. How are employers going to make that happen? And leaders are taking a large shouldering of this right now. And not that they shouldn't, and, and yes, they had skill development to do, but I just see a really large uh, hurdle for leaders right now. You know, this is times where people are having an existential crisis. It's not just about bad leadership. Yes, bad leadership is out there. People are struggling and leaders are being expected to hold it together, be empathetic, be flexible, um, you know, offer these different opportunities. The latest thing going around right now on the internet is a guy gets up in his suit jacket, but he's got on his sport shorts. And then it's kind of the assumption made in one of the posts I saw was that the leader of the group then also gets up because he's in his suit jacket with his sport shorts. And this idea that we all have empathy for each other. The problem is that we're also all stressed and we have to take a breath before we react. I've gotten several messages from people that I know are feeling stressed and so they're rude and I'm the leader, so I got to take it in stride and and recognize that this is the challenge people are under. But the more that we can really just not react and choose our words carefully, and you know, I had just said this on a podcast I was on the other day, but we say it all the time: the cliche of "you don't know what someone's going through, so be kind." We need to live it now. It can't just be a cliche anymore, even if someone is not doing something you think they should be doing, we need to approach that conversation differently. Otherwise, you're going to come at it like a jerk, and it's going to turn out that there was a death in their family. It's not going to work out well, right? Some people want to communicate that. Some people don't. And we have to approach conversations in a different way right now. Or it's going to come back to bite us. And this is especially true of leaders um, and organizations trying to build culture, not just for the the hybrid workforce and, and the gig workforce and, and for women who are shouldering the brunt of, of most of this right now, but also, and this was our last trend, talking about diversity and leadership and diversity and culture of inclusion And this is the call for leaders right now. And I guess you could say that it applies to the different ways of working and all the different types of diversity, remote versus in-person is now a different category of this conversation, right? When we're thinking about this, that people expect leaders to be accessible, to be empathetic, to communicate 
extraordinarily well to have a presence and an advocacy for sustainability for you know climate change issues for social issues there's a lot of pressure right now on leaders and this is also being matched by a huge uptick in leadership coaching which is great because these leaders need support right now internally their organizations are externally from from coaches they need support to improve their emotional intelligence, uh, especially if they were kind of brought up under under the old leadership models, you know, they might have that, you know, um, shut up and put up kind of attitude. And that's just not going to work right now. I don't know if it'll ever ever work in the future, but in COVID times, it's definitely not going to work. And the, the increase of these needs sparked also an increase in coaches, which is is great, especially trained coaches out there getting more business and doing more great work. We know that there's a case for inclusion and diversity data from McKinsey and company and and tons of uh, financial analysts, financial firms has, has proven that. And we're starting to see why, because it's not just about the traditional definitions of diversity, but it's more. And we also need to provide leaders and, and aspiring leaders with the, the tools to advance their own leadership, to communicate for themselves, and to advance in, in the digital world, in the virtual world. People don't know how to manage their careers in the digital world and to make sure they're being visible, but also communicating well, balancing all of these requirements. And it's really a challenge. I, you know, I my heart goes out to people in leadership roles right now who are trying to figure this out. Um, there are coaches out there ready to help you. you. Look at the International Coach Federation website. Career Thought Leaders has a, a directory of coaches. Don't struggle alone. It will hurt your career. Ask your internal organization for resources or seek them out for yourself. They're there for you to help you figure out either how to advance virtually, how to manage that remote team, how to to increase your emotional intelligence. So many resources out there. Please don't struggle alone because your worker's mental health is suffering, but your own is suffering as well. And it's going to impact your ability to do all of these things well. We are going to be talking about these trends with some speakers and some uh, more data that comes out throughout the year. We look forward to hearing your thoughts and questions. Please do leave us a review and shoot me an email, marie at careerthoughtleaders.com. I'd love to hear what you would like us to bring onto the show. And we will be back next week right here on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.